podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. And as we celebrate 15, that's 15 consecutive victories, it's 52 goals in all competitions, and it's the season that just keeps on giving. To celebrate all of that three beaming blues, welcome back to uh, the Stato, that is Paul Denby. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Tony Newcrosh. Good evening. And welcome to Sarah Messenger. Hello. Um, before we do move on, uh, we need to pay the wages. And the Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Uh, if you sign up and deposit up to £50, Ladbrooks will put the same amount into your account, giving you up to £50 worth of free bets. And to find the link, go to bet.citypodcast.net. Uh, can we talk about uh, Napoli later? Uh, but I want to start with a 3-1 win against Arsenal. Uh, you get the impression that Pep actually isn't that happy. He wants more. Is he a bit disappointed, do you think, that we're spurning chances? Just I want to start with a negative, because we can then wax lyrical for the rest of the show. But is he a bit disappointed? Do you get that impression? You know, Sterling's chance, he went ballistic. And yeah, the, yeah. I, I think he was a bit disappointed, particularly in the first half. Uh, Sterling's pass to Sane when it was two-on-one and was a, an abysmal pass. And you saw his reaction. He was absolutely livid. And also, even very early on, when Aguero had a, a half chance, I, I, didn't think it was, I don't think he was very happy. And we could have been three up at half-time. And that's what he gets frustrated about, because it gives the opposition a feeling that they've got a chance. And that's what we were doing last season quite regularly, was missing some good chances. This season, fortunately, we're putting a lot more away. But still, yes, I, I think he demands more. He's a, clearly a very demanding manager. And he expects us to create chances and score those good chances. And Tony, I get the impression I just think there's so much more to come from City. Absolutely. We weren't even, what, maybe second gear yesterday. We weren't at our best, were we? Um, nowhere near misplaced passes from time to time. Some of it was breathtaking. But there is still more to come and, and a lot of talent on that bench should we need it. So, yeah, not the worst position to be in, is it? Do you want to add any negatives or should we just carry on with all this amazing season that we're having then, Sarah? Where, where do you want to start? Well, I will, just want to come back to your question, which was about Guardiola and his standards. I mean, I went ballistic when I saw the <laughs> Sterling pass. Um, I think every single one of us watching knows we would have made that pass better than he did. But actually what was good to see was to see his reaction. Sterling immediately knew he'd done wrong. He knew he, you know, he should have got it right. He knew he didn't. Um, and... I suspect that what Guardiola is doing is that whole thing around guarding against complacency. And yes, he's on, on one hand, I agree um, with you, Paul, that I think he was trying to reinforce the fact that we don't want them wasting chances that mean we're not 3-0 up at half time. On the other hand, I think he's very proud of what they're doing, but also wants them to always feel like there's something more they can give, something they can get better at, which is the best way of eliminating any complacency. Were there signs of complacency yesterday? We might sort of talk about the keeper who maybe was a bit casual with, with one stop that he kind of fumbled. Uh, was it that they were tired? I mean, Tony, you made the point, you know, that we, were, we didn't get out of second gear. Is, is there a bit of complacency creeping in, do you think, or, or not? I'm not sure. It, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily that complacency is creeping in, but I think he knows you can always be vulnerable to it when you're winning in the way we're winning and you're scoring in the way we're scoring and, and we're streets ahead 
both in terms of the points lead we've got at the top of the Premier League, but also the position in the Champions League group. And so every team would always, I mean, any decent manager is always going to want to guard against complacency in that situation. And why were we only out of second year? Is that because we didn't need to get into third or they were a bit leggy from the European game, which you'll come on to, or, or what? Yeah, I think they were a bit leggy. There was definitely tiredness out there. I thought Sane was... Didn't have his most influential game. I don't doubt they were very, very tired. And how many teams do you hear make the excuse, well, we played midweek away in Europe, we weren't at our best. We heard that from the uh, champions we played off the park a few weeks ago. So, yeah, I think there are reasons for it. But another really good test and one they really rose to. So I'm delighted. Mm. It's great seeing us steamroller teams 5-0. But I don't think you learn an awful lot from that. You've seen some shit over the years, Mr (laughs) Denby. You, you, You and I both. It must be... Well, I can just want to look at your, the look on your face here. I mean, it's, it's just thrilling, isn't it? It's just, just fabulous, isn't it, to watch all this stuff? Uh, of course it is. It's not just that it's thrilling that we're winning. It's the style in which we're winning, the football we're playing. It is the best football. I've been watching City now for 50 seasons. This is my 51st, I think. I lose track of time. But this is the best I've ever seen. And that goes back to the Lee Bell Summerby days or any team thereafter that played some good football. But this is just... It's mesmerising at times, and I, I keep pinching myself because I know it won't last, but there's no reason it can't continue lasting as long as these players stay fit for this season. With the bench that we've got as well, any one of those players can come on and it won't make that much difference because we've got such a good squad. It's fantastic. I'm loving every second of it. What are you enjoying particularly, Tony? Uh, winning's always good, isn't it? But, um... <laughs> No, I say the style of the football is just unbelievable. And I think we already touched upon it. Last season, if if that pass had gone astray, you'd have been cursing your luck. Or, you know, when Arsenal came back to 2-1, were we nervous? Yeah, a little bit. But you always knew there was more to come and we would take our chances. So we can just really enjoy it now. And with an eight-point cushion as well now, it's just great to watch. Do you know what? I, I hesitate to say this, but I wasn't that nervous. Do you know? And, and as you say, in previous seasons, I would have been. But actually, I wasn't that nervous. I had such confidence that we, whatever they did, we're always going to score more goals than the opposition. Now, is that me being arrogant? I don't know, but that's how I feel. And I've, you know, typical city, which is an expression we've used many times. I didn't, I, I didn't feel that nervous. See, that's the, hu- that's the huge psychological adjustment every single city fan is having to deal with at the moment because that nervousness and anxiety i've never met a city fan who doesn't experience that you know the classic we have to be four nil up with two minutes to go and then i start enjoying the rest of the game absolutely and it's interesting keen made a comment didn't he about three or four weeks ago which was the only thing that will stop city is that it's in their dna to mess it up and somebody responded by saying no it's not in our dna anymore and i think that's true but i think for those of us that have lived with it being in our dna it's taking a little while to adjust and really believe that, you know, let's chill out. Yeah, Arsenal scored, but we will always find a way to score another one if we need to. Yeah, it didn't come through from the crowd yesterday. Either mm. 2-1, I thought the crowd's going to get mm. edgy and that'll make the players edgy. But no, it was almost, OK, let's go again. And that's exactly what we did. Um, Aguero's gold boots he he, uh, he had to change them at half time didn't he they, they weren't working or they maybe I don't know it was rubbing a bit on his left heel I don't know but uh, the gold boots changed to black at half time who knows the reason but he did change them it was noticed that he removed the gold and changed to black but I'm to clear I've not read anything to know why he did that what the issue was or whether there was an issue or it just felt like changing anyway but who he cares was, he scored he wasn't his best though was he particularly he scored again you know but Aguero's one of those players that uh, he rarely has an absolutely brilliant match, but he'll score goals. 
you, you wouldn't come out of the game saying, oh, look, look what Aguero did today. He beat six players or he created five chances. Aguero's just there purely, I think, to score goals and he's brilliant at it. He'll miss them as well, but he knows where to be gets in the right place and occasionally he'll have a, a great run where he does go past two or three players and get a shot away and score a goal sometimes but you rarely say he was absolutely fantastic uh, Talk us through the, the presentation Tony because obviously you were at the game as, as you always are um, but you know, it kind of appeared to be that it was uh, all the legends came out applauded him on had an a, obscene large blue trophy which I think has got all the goals etched around the outside with a big blue boot in the middle yeah, I it, thought, was, uh, it was was it low key or was it about right it or, was, I thought it was a little odd not the sort of thing you normally do before a game yeah. you know, there was a, a match to be won there an important game to be won I thought it was a little odd letting Sergio come out on his own I mean he's a wonderful level headed kind of guy he comes across as but you know the time for celebration was after the game or at the end of the season I, I, I didn't think it was such a brilliant idea albeit yes you have to acknowledge that what he has done is unbelievable for that club in such a short period of time I do tend to agree with you I thought, I thought it was a bit odd before the game your, your well, thoughts I, on the surgery I thought it was lovely to do it before the game come on let's have a round yeah, I'll have a good round come on yeah <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was really nice. I think you know it was a guard of honour. That's fine. There's lots of guards of honour before games. I thought it was a nice touch to have Eric Brooks' uh, daughter there. Um, they didn't make a big song and dance. It's not like they had you know twenty minutes of songs and music and firecrackers and God knows what else. Um, and Sergio, being the humble guy, he is looked very proud. Gave everyone a nice smile and then just joined the end of the team, didn't they? So I didn't think they made such a fuss of it that it looked out of place before a game. Although I take the point, we don't necessarily want them being any more distracted than necessary. But personally, I'm glad they did it before. It saved trying to do it when either people were rushing to get off home or not that this was ever going to happen but you know if we'd been robbed by some strange last minute decision yeah. and there's a sort of downbeat sense in the stadium so I'm glad they did it when they did well we weren't robbed but Arsenal were of course <laughs> you know the Sterling dived and there was a, a, a clear a clear offside um, if Mr Wenger is to be believed discuss well He's got a point on Silver, but over the he was offside marginally, not as much as uh, Wenger seems to think he was, like miles offside. But these decisions even themselves out over the season. They got through to the FA Cup final, remember, because one of our goals was ruled out because the ball went out of play when it didn't. Arsenal scored goals that have been offside as well over the course of a season. And that's life. you just got to get on with it. Their whole, what was the fault of the players was they stopped playing, didn't play to the whistle, the linesman didn't put his flag up, we carried on playing and scored. Their fault, not ours. We to play to the whistle. Um, I mean, it was schoolboy defending, I have to say. I mean, when, I, when I saw it, I couldn't quite believe it. They just stopped. It was You teach that to seven-year-olds, don't you? You do. You absolutely do. Um, and it's remarkable with Van Gogh. We were sat behind him, and his whole body language is negative, and it pervades throughout the whole team. You know, they also just, you know put their arms out gave up just their attitude just frankly stank you saw City giving blood out there um, and it's about time quite frankly they shut up or got out quite frankly I just don't see what he's trying to achieve at that club anymore um, and he's got absolutely no right to accuse Sterling the referee I thought was brilliantly positioned if you noticed I mean, he did really well to keep up with the play he was right on the edge of the box he had an unhindered view and he was stripped end of and he should have had a penalty before that in the first half so 
Yeah. I, I always sort of, as you know, being a referee myself, I always sort of take the view, if that decision for a shove in the back and a free kick against Arsenal was given in the centre circle in the 19th minute when it was nil-nil, no one would, no one would argue that it wasn't a shove. Mm. He clearly pushed him. The fact is in the penalty area means it results in a penalty. Tough. But he was definitely shoved. Is, is Sterling a diver? Because that was kind of the accusation. It wasn't just the fact that it wasn't a penalty, it wasn't offside. There was an actual accusation saying that, well, we know that Raheem Sterling's a diver. Is, is that fair? Well, at the risk of sounding like Piers Morgan, as, who, as we all know, is not Wenger's biggest fan, uh, I, I just thought what Wenger said was pathetic, but also um, so disrespectful. And when you think about some of the things that managers have been banned for or sent from the touchline for or whatever, um, I, and I try, I, I, on one level, I don't want to get too on my high horse about this. It's not the end of the world. We've all run around. You know, managers have often accused other members of other teams of doing things that are a little uh, unacceptable. But uh, there's just something about calling Sterling a diver that I agree with what Shearer said on Match of the Day. I think it was disrespectful and he should apologise for it. There's something about this, the in, insinuation that he's cheating when all the evidence shows that he didn't cheat. Um, so I think Wenger's starting to look more and more pathetic, actually, as almost every day goes by. And that, I think what Tony just said about the spirit of Arsenal and how it's pervading the whole team is being exemplified by the way Wenger's behaving and his comments about Sterling... But, proof of that. But for a talk- guy who never sees anything as well from, yeah. from the dugout to, to see that there was no contact there was you know, remarkable, remarkable yeah. you got it wrong Tony he doesn't see anything where it's against Arsenal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just going back to the Sterling situation and again, I'm, I'm only doing my job here by just pursuing this, this diving bit um, and I'm, you know, I'm a huge City fan I'm, I'm a big Sterling fan actually as well uh, does he not have a bit of history uh, in terms of that maybe isn't this season is, is that a fair accusation now just sort of looking knowing his history has he sort of won penalties and, and won free kicks in the past? I think he probably should have got more penalties last season than they actually got because he was tripped and pushed at least two or three occasions last season when we did not get penalties. Classic one, of course, I think it was Walker against Tottenham mm. where he pushed him in the back just mm. as he was about to shoot. He shot straight at the keeper because he was off his balance and we never got a penalty for that. And I can think of other games where he... Tr- was tripped and we did not get penalties. Everton, I think, was one game as well. So, no, I don't think Sterling is a diver. Whatever happened to that walker, anyway? (laughs) Tony, Sterling, a diver? No. Next question, please. All right. Um, So, can I also talk about the fact that Edison, we've talked about the the, the bit of a fumble, a slightly uh, casual approach... The importance that he has now, this team now, the way we're playing, and we talked about the fact we're taking our chances, but we're so much more solid at the back. If I said to you that the two most influential players this season have been Edison and Kevin De Bruyne, would would that be a fair assessment, would you say, or would you put others in the pot? For me, he is so important to this team now. Uh, Well, I agree, Uh, and at the risk then of listing the entire team, because they've all made a contribution, I I wouldn't necessarily disagree with those two. He has changed the entire mentality of that defence. Um, and there's lots of work that all have gone on that's turned stones into the Franz Beckenbauer we all hoped he'd be. But uh, it, we all, I mean, you know, it must be coming from the security he's giving them. And then when you look at stats like the fact that he had only two less passes than Sanchez yesterday, and the quality of those passes, I mean, he gets the ball, and the, in a situation where if it was Bravo, I'd have literally you know, disappeared out of the room because I couldn't cope with it or I'd be dosing myself up on even more Prozac. I don't even, I don't panic. I just wait for him to, I, I look for his next delicious pass. That's how good he is. 
Even more. We won't go even there. More. Even more Prozac than you take even. at the moment. <laughs> we won't go there. Don't worry, Sarah. Your secret's safe with you us. Know, I tell you things in confidence, I'll and that's you, how you repay me. I'll tell me. you what, the three <laughs> listeners will now know yes. your, special, your special secret. So... Uh, those two players, Ed- Edison and KDB, and, and Sarah's right. You could mention the whole squad, of course, but I'm, I'm just singling those two out for the reasons that you will understand. I, I would put Fernandinho up there. Mm. I think he's the cog who mm. makes that team work. Mm. They've all been mm. brilliant this year. It's hard to, as you say, to pick out anyone, but absolutely, he gives so much solidity, confidence, starts the moves off. Great acquisition. And now, forgive me, Pep, I doubted you. I understand why Mr Hart is picking the ball out of the West Ham net on a weekly basis. Good for you. Mm. Good. Do you feel better for that I now? do. Don't <laughs> need the Prozac you. anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Can't say any more than the guys have just said. I mean, Fernandinho, definitely, I would have added to that as a key player in that team. Edison, the confidence he brings to the whole team, the defence and the rest, is just phenomenal. And you can see it. And therefore, yeah, brilliant purchase. And yeah, uh, agree with what Tony just said about Hart. You can see why he wouldn't have fitted into what we've done in the way of the style of play at this stage. And we've talked about the bench as well. And if we think about the sort of the players who came on yesterday, who didn't even start the game, you've got Jesus, you've got Gundogan, you've got Bernardo Silva, three players who came off the bench. I mean, Pep, to manage the, the very fact that we've got an amazing squad is the first thing. But Pep having to manage that talent as well must be a real challenge. But, you know, they came on, they looked fresh, they were up for it. And um, what what a bench! Well, you, you, they've got to accept. And I'm sure they do. When you're playing for a top team that's playing X games a season, you know, 38 league games plus the League Cup, Champions League, etc. They're all going to get time on the pitch, and I, and I think he's a brilliant manager, and they respect that, and and therefore it helps that we're winning as well. I would hazard a guess that if we weren't winning as many games and they were left on the bench, there might be a bit more friction there, but it's not evident at the moment because of the style and the fact that we're winning all the games. One of the things that I think is interesting about um, City and substitutions is that most teams make, or most managers make substitutions to change the way a game's going. You know, to bring, you know whether it's bringing on the tree for Laney, as he's lovingly being called by one of his... Uh, one of his fans is this weekend, or to you know boot the ball up to Peter Crouch if it's Stoke looking for an equaliser. Pep brings subs on to to carry on playing exactly the same way mm. we're playing, mm. to make no change to that kind of smoothly oiled machine. And those three players are players that can do that perfectly. Um, they obviously all buy into it. I mean, they all want to be managed by Guardiola. That's the bottom line. And then they all want to win the Champions League and for some of them the Premier League because they've not won it before. And they know that he is the best chance they've got of achieving that. Do you think Sanchez wants to be managed by Guardiola? Because he didn't have his best game, did he? He was rubbish, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they did him any favours. They were sort of using him as a target man Arsenal, weren't they? Who fingered up for him? And he did all right holding the ball up, but he's no Giroud, as it were. Um, he got very little support, and I saw nothing that suggested to me that he would be he would add anything to our squad. Um, in fact... I wouldn't want him to come, quite frankly, at the moment. I can see only the risk of alienating players rather than adding. But we shall see. I think Stato fancies him coming. I'm not, I'm not sure. Not this January. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind him coming next season. Um, I thought we'd already signed him with some of his passes yesterday because he found a blue shirt quite frequently. <laughs> um, but no, he, he, 
I don't know whether it was mentality, but he wasn't up for it yesterday or he didn't get the support either. But there again, most of the Arsenal players did not have good games. So to single him out is a bit unfair. Would he get in the City team? No, he'd be on the bench. Uh, you compare to what we've got on there in the first 11, he would get some games and he'd come on a substitute sometimes, but he certainly wouldn't be in the starting 11 at this stage if, he'd, if we'd signed him in August. The question everybody's asking, I have to ask, um, it's eight points clear after 11 games. Can we go the full season undefeated in the Premier League? We could. Will we? I doubt it. Do I care? Not really, in all honesty, <laughs> as long as we win the league. Now there's that, what is it they say, that wet, windy night in Burnley in February. Uh, there'll be a bit of tiredness. It'll be a Tuesday, won't it, as well, probably? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Well, you get Friday night mm-hmm. games, don't you? Know? Possibly, so, yeah. well, thank you very much. I just like she just sounds good on the yeah. windy <laughs> Tuesday night in Burnley. It's normally Stoke, why Burnley? Uh, bit colder, a bit more northern. A bit I think. further north. Yeah. Okay, no, fair, no, it's a good point. Um, good point, well made. Yeah. But you know, there will be challenges ahead. There'll be dodgy decisions. You need a bit of luck, don't you? To be honest, I think um, I'll sing then. There'll be challenges. Ahead. <laughs> uh, full season, come on, Paul. It's, uh, uh, I don't really care to be honest. As long as I'm returning, as long as we win the league, I, I'm not looking forward to that f- that first defeat when it comes along because I'll just be upset. But I'm upset when, whenever City lose. I'll probably be upset when we draw our first match, having been 15 games on the, on the bounce that we've won. So when we draw at whoever it is, with whoever it is, because that's going to happen sooner or later, I'll probably be upset at that one, but I'll get over it. It's ironic, isn't it? There's Everton, there's our, our one yeah. game that, we're, that we haven't won this season. It just you look. I know we were down to 10 men and Walker was sent off, but it's just outrageous, isn't it? That's the one game we've not won this year. And that was a shocking decision and all, wasn't it? That's sending off... When we're on decisions that go against other teams, for example. So, full season, then? Exactly. I'd say the same as the the two guys. Of course we could do it. Don't really care. Don't want that to become a distraction. Although, clearly, if we get to sort of 28, 30 games in, we will definitely become... Although, hopefully, we'll have at least a 17 or 25-point cushion by then, so it won't matter. Um, We could. Don't really care. And it won't even get us that much kudos anyway because everyone went, oh, Arsenal did it first. So it's not, you know, there's, there's nothing in it for us. Right. We went longer, didn't we, against in Mancini's champ- league winning year, didn't we? I think it was till December we went unbeaten, didn't we? And very nearly mm. threw the league away. So, you know, let's win the league and then we'll worry yeah. about it, quite frankly. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be straight back after this. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome back. Before we talk about Napoli and Europe, um, Paul, do you just want to talk about the press uh, and sort of their attitude towards City over the last few weeks? You, you've seen a bit of a change there, have you? Well, we've all often talked in the past about the negative press that City received despite being playing some wonderful football, and, and there has been in the past. I, I don't think there's an agenda against City. I'm not, not one of those people that does, and I know some people do. But the press in the last few weeks, particularly the weekend, has just been very, very positive. The newspaper articles that I read at the weekend were fantastically positive about the style of play, what we're doing. And even on Match of the Day, which um, sometimes has not been as positive as it might have been, they were saying that City have taken the game to a much higher level at the moment than they've ever seen. Some people have said that we are playing the best football ever seen in the Premier League. And I know there was the old First Division before then, but people probably haven't got the memories or necessarily seen the football back from the pre-93 days. And it probably is some of the most exciting football that has ever been played in the Premier League. So I think it's right that the press have picked up on it. And long may it last, so it's great. 
Do you think there's a campaign against City in the press, Tony? Are you one of these people who thinks, actually, I, I disagree a bit here with Stato, and I think there might be? No, I think people love to, to build you up to knock you down, don't you? You're there, there to be shot at. But no, the comments of late have been uh, extraordinarily positive. I mean, you compare to other teams we could mention um, who play extremely negatively. Yeah, we won't talk about no, that. No, we won't. Let's that. So let's talk positively then. about We're talking about exciting football. And a team, Sarah, who goes to Napoli and become the first, let's just be clear about this, the first English team ever to beat them on their soil. 4-2, Manchester City. For me, that was our coming-of-age performance in the Champions League. And I know we've had some other great nights, we've had some not-so-great nights as well, but there was something about that performance that throughout it made me feel like I was watching the kinds of teams that I used to watch when I never in my wildest dreams thought City would ever play in the Champions League and you'd watch teams play with a kind of not only a level of skill and excitement but also a measure of control of a game but you know, Napoli are no mugs are no, they no no um, we weren't playing some sort of tin pot team from well but not say where I've got some friends from there uh, but but you know they they have been sort of scoring at will. They're mm. at top of their league. You know they're, they're kind of the Man City of their league, aren't and they? And they really? showed it in the first twenty minutes or so, didn't they? And De Bruyne had probably the worst half an hour he's had f- since he joined us. Um, but once we once we got the equaliser, I thought that was just an, a really fantastic performance and and a real indicator of the potential we've got to win the thing. To come from behind at Napoli and, and win a game like that was awesome, wasn't it? Unbelievable. I, I mean, what a great game of football, I think we should say, first yep. of all. Mm. I mean, a fantastic game to watch, albeit you're you know, investing your blood, sweat and tears there. They could have rolled over. They could have said, it's not our night. We're still going to qualify. We're 1-0 down. So be it. But they showed such phenomenal character to come back and not just beat them, but frankly, demolish them, play them off the park. It was brilliant. Loved every minute of it. Defenders scoring goals, you know, goals coming from every part of the pitch. Well, that, that's just another plus, isn't it? That uh, Ottomendi and Stone score headers, and it, it, it was just brilliant to, to the fact that we went 1 0 down. And at that point, there was a bit of me in the back of my mind said, Ah, oh, we've come up against a really good team, and they're showing us that we're not quite as good as we thought. And that was at sort of 20, 25 minutes. But as Sarah said, as soon as we equalised, and just before then, we'd started to string a few passes together, we started to look like we're taking control of the game. I'd also said, to my son I was watching it with they can't keep this up for 90 minutes then they're, they're going to run out of steam at some point and they did and we, we did take over and then for that last 60-65 minutes we were absolutely fantastic yes they had a couple of spells here and there which why shouldn't they they're the top mm. team in Italy at home against us and you would expect them to put us under a bit of pressure but fantastic performance I, I go as far as to say possibly the best performance in Europe I've ever seen from City and that includes when we beat Barcelona 3-1 mm. And that moment when Sergio Aguero scored his 178th goal for Manchester City, beating Eric Brooks' record that stood since, what, the 1930s. That, how did you feel when that goal went in? Well, it took about 13 seconds, because I've watched it several times, so I've timed it. I'm sad, I know. 13 <laughs> seconds from the moment we won the ball back in our, on the edge of our penalty area to scoring that goal at the other end. And the speed of break and the passing... All right, Sane was a little bit unlucky, but the guy caught up with him and there was a good tackle on him, but the ball broke to Aguero. The speed of that attack was just phenomenal. And when Aguero's got that ball, you knew he wasn't going to pass it to Sterling. (laughs) And why should he? He's a top-class striker. This is his chance. And the moment he hit it, you saw it in the net, I was out of my seat. It was fantastic. Marvellous. I was just going to say, I'm really glad 
it actually was in a in a Champions League game that mattered yeah. because although I know a lot of us in one level wanted him to score it at home but you know it being the fifth goal in a 6-0 route of <laughs> or whoever. Tuesday night at Stoke uh, Tuesday or Burnley, night at Stoke. Or Burnley. exactly on a exactly. Friday night <laughs> yeah so a Wednesday night in Naples was just the perfect setting I thought what was I loved as well you know we're 3-2 up away at Napoli in the 92nd minute we're not just kicking the ball into Rosehead hiding in the corner we still went hunting for more didn't we uh, that was brilliant to see and the only point I pick you up on about the press I was a bit disappointed Thursday morning all about Spurs mm-hmm. you know there'd be an under par Real Madrid courtesy of an offside goal who does that uh, and a deflection and we played Napoli off the park and I think we didn't get the credit on Thursday morning we deserve for that. I think that's spot on. In yeah. fact, the only person I read that made the point that City's result was better than Spurs, sorry, Ollie, was um, was Craig Bellamy. So we have to rely on an old blue to actually make exactly that point. Can I just go back to, because Ollie, our engineer, is a Spurs fan, so I'm not, we're not going to embarrass him or make life any more difficult than it is for him, having not won anything for years. Poor lad. He's never seen them win any trophy ever. He's a nice lad, but bless him. You know, come over to the blue side, Ollie, one day. You'll, you'll, you'll understand. A we'll big, get you there, a big club like that won nothing. <laughs> yeah, really? They've won nothing for years. Years. They've won nothing. And that po- Pochettino, whatever he's called, that great manager, he's won, Pep's won 20 titles. Poch has won nothing. Not, not won anything. You know this press thing? I want to mount nothing. Anyway, this is not the Spurs show. You can listen to that on another channel. Um, we're talking about Aguero. So back to Aguero. Just, just give us, you know, your 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 thoughts on Aguero because he's broken the record. And and just looking back at his career, his time at City, what he's done, your reflections and thoughts and feelings about Sergio. He has been a star. You know what? He's never ever been on the front pages. He just scores goals. And that's it. He comes across as a thoroughly nice lad. I don't quite get all the Pep doesn't like him stuff. He is world class. And please God, we should get many more years out of him because him and Jesus are only going to get better together. You know, there was a book release, City released a book yesterday, 178 limited editions, and it was selling for £100. So City, it was was all 178 goals um, in the book, and it sold out within about two hours. That sums him up as well, that the fact there are people who can afford to buy the book for £100 ago and it was sold out in a couple of hours. And that's respect to Sergio as well. well, well they, last they, word on Well, on they Sergio. put it beautifully. We all love him. He's given us the most memorable moment. I mean, they may, it, may, it may get topped at some point, but at the moment it's still the most memorable. Um, it, he's a brilliant player. And when he's not there anymore, we'll be on programmes like this talking about... Sergio Aguero and the impact he had on City. Well, it's a nice lead-in to our final slot, because the last few weeks we've been talking about our Christmas special where we're going to be selecting our all-time City eleven. And this week we're going to be talking about goalkeepers. So I think by the end of the show, in, in the next sort of five minutes or so, let's try and get to a situation where we discuss all the goalkeepers. And this is not just the ones we remember. Even you, Stato, going back to the <laughs> 60s, we're going to try and think back slightly further than that because we have some listeners, of course, who go back to the, the 30s and 40s and, and, and 50s. Um, so City goalkeepers. I want to come up with, I don't know, say four or five that will go to the public vote um, to see who will actually be crowned number one goalkeeper and we'll obviously must have a substitute as well within there as well so so throw some names out some that will make a smile um, and some that you think might make the final uh, the final analysis the smiley ones uh, <coughs> Martin Margotson 
Ike Immel, uh, Alan Ogley. Alan Ogley. Going back to the 60s. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ken Mulhern. Um, um, but we've had some great goalkeepers as well over yeah, the years. We'll come back to that. Are you going to give smiles or are you going to give us some serious ones? I think Barry Siddle deserves an honourable mention. <laughs> Jim Burridge for a sheer entertainment value. But you know, I grew up with Big Joe. He'll, he'll always be one of my favourites. Great goalkeeper. I think he won the uh, Blue Peter Save of the Season Award in about 1978. So Joe Corrigan for did. me, yes. Did he? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, Against Leeds. To describe mm. it, do you remember It was the... a header. He, mm. he changed direction in mid-air. I know that. Oh, yeah, something yeah. like that. Six foot off, six foot four and a half of him. Aye. He changed direction in mid air. Yeah. Joe Corrigan. Yeah. I don't The earth you. tilted on, on its YouTube. axis. You're right. I'm going to have yeah. to find yeah. that. Have yeah. a look. Have a Joe look. Corrigan. But Big Joe is always, always definitely a favourite of mine. Definitely leads. I think so, yes. We'll have a look at that. Okay, Sarah, your, your, well, your keepers um, to, they, to they, 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 all the All the ones that I was probably going to say have now been gone. It's like the generation game. If you're not quick and you don't get in there, you, yeah. you miss out, don't you? I mean, you Keith McRae maybe perhaps deserves yeah. a mention. But we've got to say something about Joe Hart, haven't we? I mean, for all that there do we? are... Well, for all... What do you want to say about Joe Hart, then? Well... Is that a joke one? Is that time, a serious one? At the time, until, until Pep flung him out the door, most City fans loved Joe Hart. I'm joking, and I agree we didn't with you. And we didn't really see all the shortcomings that the genius that is now our manager saw. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we didn't think he was perfect, but largely we were very happy to have him. Um... And he, you know, we're not going to forget winning things and his little exactly. dance around the Etihad when Sergio slammed in his goal. Absolutely. And He's got medals around his and neck, And he loves City. Well, City fans have always loved players who love City. Yeah. You get that sense of them loving City. And Hart was in that category, I think. Well, Hart's on my... I have to say, Joe Hart is written down there. I was only joking. I absolutely agree with you. We won stuff, didn't we? A couple of Premier Leagues, FA Cups. Although he didn't tend to play in the League Cups, did he? I don't think. Particularly, we normally had our... He got a medal, though, didn't he? Yeah. Did he? He got a medal as yeah. part of the squad. Yeah. So... So Joe Hart, I'm going to put as number one. Uh, uh, other, other serious nominations and other ones we've got to consider. Is is Corrigan a contender? Do we think? I'm, I'm, you don't. You're far too young to remember Joe Corrigan, of course. My yeah. dad told me about him. <laughs> <laughs> but Stato, you, you were there, mate. Oh yes, yeah, it has to be. I mean, everybody's got to look on, up on YouTube. Though his biggest fault was the one against West Ham in the mud, where he kicks the ball out to Ronnie Boyce. Doesn't look Boyce on the halfway line and boots the ball back and it goes in the net. Uh, fantastic to, to watch. But, no, but Corrigan was a great what, goalkeeper What is this back. mud you talk of on a football pitch? <laughs> back in sorry. the 60s and 70s, <laughs> yes. that's what football pitches are like, as you well remember, Nigel. <laughs> my dad, yeah, my dad told me about it. Remember, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got uh, Joe Hart. We've got jo- two Joes. Mm. Um, can I put Joe Troutman in as well, then? Joe I'm joking. It's Joe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Corrigan. Come on, keep And Joe up. Swift, there you and go. Joe, there's Joe, your four. There's there's four exactly. jo- yeah, there the four go. Joes. Yeah, the- <laughs> Bert Troutman, of course, for those who don't remember. Yeah, before my time, I'd hasten to add. But, you know, 1956, you're going to tell me, 1956 yeah. FA Cup final against Birmingham City. Put his neck on the line, didn't he? He absolutely mm-hmm. put his yeah. neck on the line. And now, you know, you see Ronaldo and the way he behaves you know I, I, I was playing on the telly the other week I walked past not the telly and he fell over <laughs> it's true it's true and there's Bert Troutman playing on with a broken neck bless him uh, so I've got Bert Troutman any, any, any others to consider so anybody going to argue I know it's all before my time but Troutman's got to be there hasn't he for the, his heroics I would, guess, I would guess so from what people say who did see him in the, in the sort of late 40s and the 50s yeah Troutman's in there and Swift from what we read about as well was a brilliant goalkeeper all right. Uh, once we have Harry Dowd. Do we talk about Harry Dowd? You know, he, he won stuff. He won the Cup Winners' Cup. He won the FA Cup. He won the. No, it was Corrigan in for for the League Cup? But he he, he won. Corrigan was in for the League Cup in seventy. Yeah. Harry uh, Dowd doesn't get in. You missed Ron the, Healy. Oh, 
We miss loads. Yeah. Dibble. Tony Coton. No one's mentioned no. Tony Coton. Tony Coton, another one from Watford. Mm. And talking about dancing around the, the Etihad, mm. what about dancing around Wembley? Nicky Weaver. Weaver. Yeah. No one mentions him. A lot, a lot of these keepers that we're mentioning only played for the team really at first class level for a couple of seasons or those. David James. David Great James. striker as well. Yeah. Absolutely. But then, but then the interesting question is, is clearly it's about how they played when they played for City because actually we've had two very good goalkeepers in Schmeichel and Seaman. Yep. who would generally be on a list of probably the best Premier League goalkeepers, but didn't really you know, leave any lasting impressions when they played for City because they were about 53 when they joined us, weren't they? Did you know that Eureka Johnson was going out with David Seaman for a while and they didn't get married because they, they, they were thinking about getting married. The only reason they weren't going to get married, do you know what it is? She would have been called Eureka Seaman and they couldn't have that, you see. Where do you get them from? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Can, can we edit that bit out later, yeah? <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. Listen, uh, we're going to go with our goalkeepers are Frank Swift, Bert Troutman, Joe Corrigan and Joe Hart. Yeah? And we'll do the defence next week, the midfield and the, and the attackers in the weeks to come and we'll end up with our best ever City team. So no it's, Bravo on that list then? Uh, I didn't write him down, actually. <laughs> and, and interesting, I haven't put Edison yeah. down either because mm, he's, he's only been yeah. there. He's too, too soon. He might be with, you know, the people who come... After us, sitting here in this studio, Edison may well end up being the best one, but it's too soon, isn't it? We can't put him in yet. Agreed. Very good. Listen, a huge thanks, many thanks, to my three guests, to Paul Denby, to Tony Newgrosh, and to Sarah Messenger. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others, and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.